For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. I will arise and go forth to the house of my father. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. House of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom, I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject, The Feast of Trumpets, a wedding celebration. This is part three of the series. Step number two, the bride price was established. A price would have to be paid for the bride. The agreed upon price is called in Hebrew a mohar. Yeshua, being the believer's bridegroom, paid a very high price for his bride. The price he paid for her was his life. Yeshua considered the price he had to pay for his bride before his death as he went into the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. In Matthew 36 and verse 39, it is written, And he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh my my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. He regarded the price and understood it was a large price to pay. Our Mohar, the price that Messiah paid for his bride, once again, is his life. In First Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, it is written, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by the tradition of your fathers. The tradition of your fathers is a reference to the oral law. We're not saved by following the tradition of our fathers, the oral law. We're saved by the blood of Yeshua, but with the precious blood of Messiah as a lamb without blemish and without spot. The bride then, because of the love that Yeshua showed to her, she ultimately loves him back with her life. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20, it is written, For you are bought with a price, Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God. Step number three, the bride and groom are betrothed. Betrothal is the first of two primary steps of the biblical marriage. During betrothal, you are legally married, but you do not physically dwell with your bride. Betrothal in Hebrew is known as kedushin. Historically, Yeshua betrothed himself to Israel at Mount Sinai. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 2, it is written, Go and cry in in the ears of Jerusalem, saying, Thus is the Lord, I remember you, the kindness of your youth, the love of your espousal or betrothal when you went after me in the wilderness in a land that was not sown. Then in Hosea chapter 2, verses 19 and 20, it is written, I will betroth you unto me forever. Yea, I will betroth you unto me in righteousness and in judgment and loving kindness and in mercies. I will even betroth
betrothed you unto me in faithfulness, and you will know the Lord. I want you to notice in Hosea chapter 2 when it says, I'm going to betroth you. This is stated, I'm going to betroth you after in Hosea chapter 1, it is said, I'm not going to show you any mercy, and you are not my people. So he's entered into a new betrothal with the people who he called no mercy and not my people, which is a way of saying that he separated himself from her, divorced her, exiled her into the nations, but ultimately his love is so great that he is going to redeem her and enter into the betrothal. The betrothal comes about through the death of the Messiah on the tree. Whenever we accept his redemptive work in dying on the tree for the forgiveness of our sins, we become betrothed to him while living on this earth. Step number four, a betrothal contract is written. When the bride and groom are betrothed to each other, a written contract is drawn up known as a ketubah in Hebrew. The betrothal contract is called a shithrei erusen in Hebrew. The ketubah is the marriage contract that states the bride's price, the promises of the groom, and the right of the bride. The groom promises to work for his bride, to honor her, support her, and maintain her truth, and to provide food, clothing, and the other necessities of life. Our ketubah is the Torah. The ketubah is the unalienable right of the bride. Spiritually, the Torah or the word of the God of Israel, the Bible, is the believer's ketubah. And all the promises that are contained therein are for us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, it is written, For all the promises of God in Him are yes and in Him, amen, under the glory of God by us. Step number five, the bride must give her consent. When the God of Israel betrothed Himself to Israel at Mount Sinai, the ketubah is seen as being the Torah. The children of Israel accepted the terms of the marriage by saying, I do. In Exodus chapter 24, verse Verse 3, it is written, And Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments, and all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words which the Lord has said we will do. This is also stated in Exodus chapter 19 and verse 8. We must say I do to Yeshua's marriage proposal to us. In Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10 it is written, That if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Yeshua and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved, redeemed, delivered. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Step number six. Gifts are given to the bride. The rite of betrothal, or erusin, is completed when the groom gives something of value to the bride, and she accepts it. The gift most often given today is a wedding ring. When the groom places the ring on the bride's finger, the rite of betrothal is completed. The gifts to the bride are symbols of love, commitment, and loyalty to her. Spiritually, the gift which the God of Israel gives to those who receive Yeshua is the indwelling Ruach HaKodesh, the indwelling Holy Spirit. When Yeshua ascended to heaven following his resurrection, he gave gifts to men. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, it is written, But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Messiah. Wherefore he he says, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts to men. One of these gifts is the gift of righteousness. In Romans chapter 5, verses 17 and 18, it is written, For if by one man's offense death reigned by that one man, that being Adam, much more than that, they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Yeshua HaMashiach. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all
all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. Another gift that is given to the bride is eternal life. Romans chapter 6 verse 23, it is written, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Yeshua HaMashiach, our Lord. Next, we have the gift of grace. In Romans chapter 5 verse 12 and verses 14 and 15, it is written, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned, nevertheless death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is a figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more than that, the grace of God in the gift of grace, which is by one man, Yeshua HaMashiach, has abounded unto many. The next gift is the gift of faith. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, it is written, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We also then have additional spiritual gifts, which are mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, 4, and 8, as it is written. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you be ignorant. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of Spirit, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these works that one in the self-same Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he wills. Next we need to discuss the cup of the covenant. Not only were gifts given to the bride, but the cup of the covenant was shared between the bride and the groom. In doing so, the couple drank from a common cup. In other words, they're one. What happens to one happens to the other. What happens to the other happens to the other one. The cup is first given to the groom to sip and then given to the bride. This cup is known as the cup of the covenant. It's spoken of in Jeremiah chapter 31 verses 31 through 33 as it is written. Behold, the days come, says the Lord, that I will make a renewed covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. What covenant are they referring to there? A covenant that was written upon a stony heart. But which covenant they broke, because it was written upon a stony heart, although I was a husband unto them, says the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my Torah in their inward part and write it in their heart and will be their God and they shall be my people. A Torah written upon a heart of flesh. Yeshua refers to the cup of the covenant in Luke 22 verse 20 as it is written. Likewise also the cup after supper saying this cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you. Step number seven. The bride is going to have a mikvah. Mikvah is a ceremonial act of purification by immersion in water. What in the Bible is likened unto water? The Torah or the word of the God of Israel. You're being immersed in obedience unto the ways of the God of Israel. Immersion indicates the separation from the former way of life, that is sin, to a new way of life, that is obedience unto the God of Israel. In the case of marriage, it indicates leaving an old life, that is 
is a single life for a new life that is being married with your spouse. We can see this in Genesis chapter 2, verses 23 and 24, where there it explains the marriage of Adam and Eve. And then in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31, where the marriage between Adam and Eve is a type and a foreshadow of the marriage between Messiah and his bride. Redeemed Israel, when they came out of Egypt, had a mikvah. Immersion in the mikvah is considered spiritual rebirth. When Yeshua betrothed himself to the nation of Israel at Mount Sinai, the children of Israel were immersed. In Ezekiel chapter 16, verses 8 and 9, it is written, Now I passed by you and looked upon you. Behold, your time was the time of love. And I swear unto you and entered into a covenant with you, says the Lord, and you became mine. Then washed I you with water. The bride of Messiah is immersed in the Holy Spirit or the Ruach HaKodesh. In Acts chapter 11 verses 15 and 16 it is written, And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them as on us at the beginning. Then I remembered the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit or the Ruach HaKodesh. Step number 8. The bridegroom departed the bride and went back to the father's house to prepare the bridal chamber. At this point, the bridegroom leaves for his father's house to prepare the bridal chamber for his bride. It is understood to be the man's duty to go away to be with his father, build the house, and prepare for the eventual wedding. Before he goes, he will make a statement to his bride, I go to prepare a place for you. If I go, I will return again unto you. Spiritually, Yeshua said the same word in John chapter 14 verses 1 through 3 it is written let not your heart be troubled you believe in God believe also in me in my father's house are many mansions if it were not so I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am you may be also step number nine the bride is consecrated in set apart for a period of time while the bridegroom is away building the house. Before the bridegroom could go and get the bride, the groom's father had to be satisfied that every preparation had been made by his son. Only then could he give permission to the son to go and get the bride. In other words, while the bridegroom was working on the bridal chamber, it was the father who okayed the final bridal chamber. The bridegroom did not know when the father would declare the bridal chamber fit and send him to go get the bride. In Mark chapter 13 verses 32 through 34, we are exhorted to be always be prepared for the coming of the bridegroom, that is Yeshua. But of that day and that hour knows no man, no not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Take ye heed, watch and pray, for you know not when the time is. For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey, who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to every man his work and commanded the porter to watch. Watch ye therefore for you know not when the master of the house comes at evening or at midnight or at the cock crowing or in the morning. Lest coming suddenly he finds you sleeping. That is not being obedient and following the ways of the God of Israel. And what I say unto you I say unto all. Watch. The bride is expected to wait eagerly for her bridegroom. 
In the mind of the bride, the bridegroom could come at any time, even in the middle of the night or even at midnight. Therefore, she had to be ready at all times. Yeshua referred to this when he gave us the parable of the ten virgins in Matthew chapter 25 verses 1 through 13, where they were commanded to keep their lights burning at all times. While waiting for her bridegroom to come, the bride had to have thought to herself, is he really coming back for me? Is he really going to keep his word? When can I expect him to come back and receive me? Step number 10. The bridegroom would return with a shout, behold, the bridegroom comes, and the sound of a ram's horn or a shofar would be blown. The time of the return of the bridegroom could be at any time, even at midnight. What's the spiritual connection of midnight? The tribulation period. When the bridegroom came, he came with a shout, Matthew 25, verse 6, and with the blowing of a trumpet, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. The marriage will have a sacred procession. For this reason, the bridegroom will enter the hoopah or the marriage canopy first. When the bridegroom approaches the hoopah, the cantor will chant, Blessed is he who comes. Blessed is he who comes is an idiomatic expression which means welcome. Yeshua said that he would not return until these words were spoken. In Matthew 23, 39, it is written, For I say unto you, you shall not see me henceforth until you say, Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Step number 11, the bridegroom would return for his bride, usually in the middle of the night, to go to the bridal chamber where the marriage would be consummated. The bride and groom will then go to the wedding chamber where the marriage will be consummated. They will stay in that wedding chamber traditionally for seven days or a week. At the end of the seven days, the bride and the groom will come out from the wedding chamber. In Joel chapter 2 verses 15 and 16, it says, Blow a shofar in Zion. Sanctify a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the people. Sanctify the congregation. Assemble the elders. Gather the children and those that suck the breath. Let the bridegroom go forth out of his chamber and the bride out of her closet. Step number 12. There will be a marriage supper for all the guests invited by the father of the bride. The bride and groom will be in the wedding chamber for traditionally seven days. When the bride and the groom initially went into the wedding chamber, historically in the days of ancient Israel, the friend of the bridegroom stood outside the door. All the assembled guests of the wedding gathered outside waiting on the friend of the bridegroom to announce the consummation of the marriage which was relayed to him by the groom. John the Immerser, John the Baptist, referred to this in John chapter 3 verse 29. At the signal that was thus given, great rejoicing broke forth. The marriage was consummated on the first night, Genesis chapter 29 verse 23. The bloodstained linen from this night was preserved. It was proof of the bride's virginity, Deuteronomy chapter 22 verses 13 through 21. The home of the bride is Jerusalem. She had the choice of living where she wanted her home to be. And of course, you're going to choose the best place for your home. And where's that best place? Jerusalem. On the wedding day, the bridegroom is seen as a king and the bride as a queen. The home of the bride was Jerusalem. And it was the bridegroom who came to the bride to dwell with her. It is from 
Jerusalem that the believers in Yeshua will rule and reign with him during the Messianic era. In Isaiah chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, it is written, And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow unto it. And many people shall go and say, Come, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. And he will teach us of his ways. We will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the Torah and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. The eternal home of Messiah's bride is the new Jerusalem. During the times of the new heavens and the new earth, which is spoken about in Isaiah 66, verses 22 and 23, and also Revelation 21, verses 1 through 3, the eternal home of Yeshua's bride will be the city of Jerusalem. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22, it is written, But you've come unto Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. Mount Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. Now in Revelation chapter 21, verses 9 and 10, it is written, And there came unto me one of the seven angels, saying, Come hither, I will show you the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and a high mountain and he showed me that great city the holy Jerusalem descending out of heaven from God will you say I do to Yeshua's marriage betrothal to you what is your decision will you accept him into your heart and your life and make him your personal Lord and Savior to everyone who does you have been invited and been given an invitation to be his bride it is the longing of those who have accepted Yeshua into their hearts and their lives and who are currently betrothed to him to have him return for his bride. In Revelation chapter 22 verses 17 and verse 20, the bride says, come. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that hears say, come. And let him that is a thirst, come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. What is the water of life? It's Yeshua the Messiah. It's the outpouring Holy Spirit. And it is following Torah and spirit and in truth. Revelation 22 verse 20. He which testifies these things says, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so come Lord Yeshua. This is going to conclude our teaching on understanding the biblical wedding. We can see from these things that the reason why the heavens and the earth were created is because the God of Israel wanted to have a dwelling place among and with mortals. This was ultimately going to be accomplished through Yeshua the Messiah who was going to enter into marriage relationship with the house of Jacob at Mount Sinai where they was going to receive in the marriage proposal a commitment to follow and be obedient to him which is to follow his Torah. And at Mount Sinai there was a betrothal that was made and ultimately in order for there to be a completion of the marriage then there is the physical dwelling with your mate and ultimately we're going to have the completion of that stage of the marriage when Messiah returns and rules and reigns from Jerusalem with a redeemed house of Jacob because his original wife at Mount Sinai committed adultery so he lays down his life to forgive her of her sin and her adultery and by accepting his redemptive work that is his love for her if she receives that 
love, then she becomes a part of his redeemed bride, and he has promised to live and dwell with her in the new heavens and the new earth, because the eternal domain of the bride is the new Jerusalem. Well, that's going to conclude part three of the series on the subject, The Feast of Trumpets, a wedding celebration. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.